Folks, we're continuing in our journey through Mark's gospel, and we're reading tonight from uh, chapter 4, uh, reading from verse 35 to 41. So let's uh, open our Bibles or turn on our devices. There's Bibles under the, the seats in front of you as well. So Mark chapter 4, verse 35. So Jesus is uh, by the shore of Galilee, and he's been teaching his disciples. And then it says, that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side, leaving the crowd behind. They took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. A furious squall came upon them, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. The disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. Then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. He said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. Well, folks, it, it, is, it, is, it has just been such a lovely day today outside, and we have been enjoying a lovely week of great weather, uh, and it's been a great day to be out there, to be eating ice cream, to be having a picnic. Some of you have been barbecuing, haven't you? <laughs> yeah, definitely. It definitely sticks. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding you. And uh, some of you that have been barbecue are sitting thinking, do I really smell of barbecue and smoking all now? Um, no, you don't. And you know, remember, we've all had COVID, so none of us can smell anything anyway. You're safe enough. But lovely weather. But I think that emotionally and spiritually, and Glenn has already alluded to it, emotionally and spiritually, we do feel like we've been hit by a storm. Many of us have felt this week, uh, as a congregation, we've been hit by a storm. We've lost a couple of, of, just, of, of stars from amongst our congregation, from amongst our church family. Uh, or perhaps the whole COVID pandemic thing. Perhaps you feel like it has hit you like a storm. Or this news that we just see coming you know, from our TV screens, coming out of Texas and coming out of Ukraine, that just depresses us, that just feels like it, it's a storm hitting us. And I guess the reality is that we can find ourselves being hit by many different kinds of storms at different times in our lives. It, it could be the storm of bereavement or COVID, of physical or mental illness, of unemployment or challenges in the workplace, of a broken relationship or conflict, of financial difficulties or addiction, or any number of disappointments or broken dreams. It can feel like getting hit by a storm. It comes in different ways. And maybe just like these fishermen here on the Sea of Galilee, we can be sailing along quite nicely. Thank you. When all of a sudden a squall comes down on the lake of our lives, and all of a sudden a storm arises in the squall. And the storms are serious, just like with these fishermen on the Sea of Galilee, the storms in our lives threaten to swamp us. They threaten to sink the little boat on which we journey across life's ocean. So tonight, what does God want to say to us from these verses, from chapter 4 of Mark's Gospel, as we journey across the sea of life? As we, as we face the storms in our lives. 
Well, I believe that there's a number of things. Let's look at three things that God wants to show us from his word tonight, I believe, for such a time as this and the days ahead. First of all, we see this. We see the necessity of the storms, the necessity of the storms. Now, I don't enjoy the storms, don't get me wrong. I don't like the storms any more than anybody else. I much prefer the still waters, the quiet waters, the peaceful waters. I don't like the storms. I wish they wouldn't come. But the storms, they nevertheless, they do come. And you see, while some may paint it so, and probably we all would wish it so, the Christian life does not bring freedom from storms. It doesn't. Being a Christian does not guarantee us a trouble-free sail across life. It doesn't. And nowhere do we see that sort of teaching in the Bible either. Jesus sets us free. Yes, Jesus sets us free, but he doesn't set us free from the trials of life. And if we approach the Christian life with that kind of mindset, then we are headed for disaster. For when the the trials and the tribulations inevitably come, then we will be left with doubts or maybe even despair. In fact, you see, it's not that Jesus says that the trials might come or that they will come, but Jesus actually says they must come. They must come. For later on in chapter 8 of his gospel, Mark has Jesus explaining in verse 31, the Son of Man must suffer many things. And then he goes on to say, whoever wants to be my disciples must deny themselves, take up their cross and follow me. So if the Son of Man must suffer and we're following him, guess what? And you see, the early church taught the same truth in Acts chapter 14. St. Paul writes, we must We must go through many hardships to enter the kingdom of God. So the Bible teaches not of the possibility or the inevitability of the storms in the Christian life, but actually of the necessity of them. But you see, as we face the storms, well, we must remember that Jesus is in control. In this passage that we've just read, we see that Jesus is complete control, uh, in complete control of the, the whole unfolding series of events. Because who was it who said, let us go over to the other side? Was it not Jesus himself? You see, it was Jesus himself who took his followers out on this journey into the storm. And if the disciples had any notion that as they followed Jesus, they would have a life free from trials and tribulations, they were about to come to the realization. A very different realization out there that night in that boat on the Sea of Galilee. You see, Jesus was not giving them a life of ease, but Jesus was giving them the truth. And he would help them to understand, to understand how to deal with the storms which would inevitably come which would inevitably hit them on their journey as his friends. St. Peter, who would have been one of the the men on the boat, learned a lesson that night. He later wrote to the early church in 1 Peter chapter 4. During a time of suffering, he wrote, Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice in as much as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. It's a hard truth, and though we might wish it otherwise, 
Christians must expect the storms to come. For the trials must come if we are to share in the sufferings of Christ so that we will also share in the glory of Christ. So we see the necessity of the storm. Secondly, we see the conquest of the storms. The conquest of the storm. You see, what this passage shows us is that whilst the storms must come, they can also be overcome. I love a story with a happy ending. Who doesn't love and want a story with a happy ending? And this is a story here with a happy ending. But this story reminds us that the storms must come, but more than that, that they can also be overcome. But we need to remember who it is that does the overcoming, and that is Jesus. You see, as as the church and as a congregation, we have rightly set up various different systems to support and care for one another when the storms of life come on us. But we must remember that it is Jesus, it is Jesus working through them who does the overcoming. Just like on the Sea of Galilee, it is the presence and the power and the grace of Jesus that overcomes. Because look at what the disciples contribute. Did you notice that the closest that the disciples even get to cooperating in the conquest of the storm is a cry for help. It's a cry for help in verse 38. The disciples could not overcome the storm on their own. They could only cry out to Jesus for help. Only Jesus can overcome the storms. But he works through us and through his church to do that as well. But he's the overcomer. During, during the course of my, my research for this evening, I came across a little poem called Maker of the Wind. And here's some of the words that reflect this wonderful truth. The writer, he says this, he says, I won't be afraid when storms come blowing in, because I know the maker of the wind. When trouble finds me, sneaks up behind me, it trips me up and it makes me fall. But when I'm broken, then you remind me that you have overcome it all. You see, Jesus is the overcomer. And the first priority for those of us in the storm is that we will want to have Jesus with us, or rather, we will want to be with Jesus. For you see, the, the difference for the disciples between sinking and surviving was being with Jesus. And as we journey over the sea of life, we can either travel with Jesus or without him. And you know, if we choose to travel without Jesus, well, our little boat will probably be swamped and we will go under. But if we choose to travel in the boat with Jesus, then he will bring us through the storm and safely to the other side. In this actual event, Jesus was present to their side. For us, he must be present to us by faith, by our faith. We must have faith and trust in the presence, in his presence as we journey together. For the truth is, apart from him, we can do nothing. But praise God for Jesus is with us. Jesus is with us. He is with us by his spirit and his word. Through the sacraments of baptism and communion. Through our brothers and sisters in the church. Jesus is with us. As we trust in him, he is with us here and now. But as well as trusting him for the here and now, we also acknowledge that not only is he Lord of the present 
and of the future, but he's also Lord of the past. You see, long before we faced any of our storms, long before we are where we are now, Jesus had already planned the journey, mapped out the route. My late father, my late father used to have a sailing boat, and before we would set out to go anywhere as a family, before we set out, my dad would lay out the, the chart on the chart table and he would get out the dividers and the measures. It was in the days before the GPS and all that technical stuff. He, he navigated properly uh, and, he, and he did it old school. But he would set out the chart on the chart table. He would take into account the wind, the tides, and he would map out the route from Strangford Lock to up to Scotland or down to the Isle of Man or wherever we were going. You see, he planned the route before we set out. My dad was good at that stuff, and we always reached our destination. And you see, Jesus has done the same for us. Before life even began, before we set out, he had taken everything into account. And he charted out our route. And Jesus is good at this stuff. And so he will get us to our destination. There's a theological name for this. It's called predestination. And you know, it simply means this. It means that Jesus has laid out the chart. He has marked out the course. He has let, marked out the route, set the course. He's at the helm. He's at the helm and he will bring us safely to our destination. For all through the storm, he is Lord, Lord of all. So we are here now in this bereavement or health or financial or relationship or employment storm. But we are not here without his knowing, without his planning. And we are not here without his having planned how he would bring glory and praise to himself out of us being here. For just as we see in this story, in this reading, Jesus will always bring glory and blessing out of the storm. He is Lord not only of the past, the present, but also of the future. And so we trust our futures to him. As we see the sort of futures his first disciples had as they entrusted their lives to him to bring them through the storm of Mark 4. What he had up for them, up ahead for them, we shall see as we look in a moment to the, the purpose of the storm. But the outcome of their lives was in capable hands, and ours is similarly and securely in the same capable hands of Jesus. You see, throughout the New Testament and throughout the history of the church, we see Jesus helping his people through the storms. Perhaps not always in the way we had expected, but helping them through nevertheless in accordance with his perfect will and purposes. Jesus might not give us the sort of victory, the kind of victory that we expect, but he will give us the victory. It may be relief, but it will more likely be endurance. He may take us out of the storm, but he will more likely bring us through the storm. Whatever the storm and however he helps us, St. Paul reminds us in Romans chapter 8, that in every trial or tribulation life throws at us, in every storm or, or gale that might assail us, we are more than conquerors through him who loves us and from whom absolutely nothing can ever separate us. So we've seen the necessity of the storms, the conquest of the storms, and thirdly and finally for this evening, we look at the purpose of the storms. For the purpose of the storm in Mark chapter 4, we have to look back to Mark 3 and forward to Mark 6. Last week when we looked at Mark chapter 3, we saw Jesus calling the 12 disciples. 
to himself and begin to train them for ministry and mission. And in chapter 6, we see Jesus sending out the 12 to go and proclaim the good news of the kingdom and to heal the sick. So in chapters 4 and 5, what is Jesus doing? Jesus is giving the disciples a crash course, a fairly intense teaching and training for the work that lay ahead. And it was in preparation for this launching out into the mission of God that he had brought them through the experience of the storm. They would have the gospel, you see, they would have the gospel on their lips and the gospel in their lives, the good news of the presence and power of Jesus as a lived experience. As they preached the good news of the gospel, they would preach it from the experience of the storm. They would preach it having experienced the presence and love of Jesus through the difficult times. And the witness of the church ought to show that we are not a people who live trouble-free lives, but neither are we people who have no resources with which to deal with the trials of life. No, you see, the miracle that the church proclaims and demonstrates is the power to cope with the storms of life, which inevitably come everyone's way. We are not free from the storms, but neither are we helpless in the face of them. But with Christ, we are victorious over them. As we experience his help through the storms, so our faith is strengthened. We're like trees that have been planted as the wind blows, the healthy trees' roots develop. The stimulation actually strengthens the root system and helps them to stand firm and to bear fruit. And the experience of the storm, it keeps us real and it keeps us relevant. It equips us to help others going through their storms, perhaps particularly through similar painful circumstances or situations. We think of Paul's words in his second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 1. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of all compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. There's a well-known song that we sometimes sing here at Orangefield. It's a song called, When Peace Like a River. And the chorus of that song declares, it is well, it is well with my soul. This is a song that has brought much comfort to so many people over the years. Perhaps you know the song, but do you know the tragic story behind such a comforting song? Let me share that story with you very briefly. You see, this song was not written by a man who was riding high and, and living a life of ease. No, this song was written quite literally in the midst of a storm. The song was written by Horatio Spafford, and Spafford was a lawyer and a senior partner in a large law firm in Chicago. He was an elder in the Presbyterian Church. He was a supporter and friend of the famous American evangelist D.L. Moody. In the spring of 1871, Spafford invested in property in Chicago. Later that year in the autumn, a great fire of Chicago, it reduced the city to ashes and it destroyed most of Spafford's investment. Two years after the devastation of the great Chicago fire, the Spafford family planned a family trip to Europe to support a mission being held by Moody in England. Issues arising, issues arising from the fire kept Horatio from joining his wife and four, four daughters who set sail for England ahead of him. 
on November 22, 1873, while crossing the Atlantic on the steamship Ville de Havre. The ship was struck by another ship, and it sank within 12 minutes. 226 people, including all of Spafford's four daughters, were killed in the accident. His wife, Anna, survived the tragedy. Upon arriving in England, she sent him a telegram that read simply, Saved alone. As Horatio Spafford sailed to England to join his wife, having lost his property in the Great Fire of Chicago and his four daughters in the shipping accident, he wrote, It is well with my soul. Through the storm, losing his property and losing most of his family, but trusting in the plans and purposes and love of Jesus, Horatio Spafford was able to write, It is well, it is well with my soul. So just as I finish, let me share a couple of verses of this song with you and let us hear them and meditate on them. And as we meditate on these verses, trusting ourselves afresh to Jesus' care and keeping, or perhaps trusting ourselves to him for the very first time. Let us prepare to make these words our own as we will sing them together in a few moments. The song says this, When peace like a river attendeth my way, when sorrows like sea billows roll, whatever my lot thou hast taught me to say, it is well, it is well with my soul. He goes on, though Satan should buffet, though trials should come, let this blessed assurance control that Christ hath regarded my helpless estate and hath shed his own blood for my soul. It is well with my soul. It is well. It is well with my soul. Let's pray together for a few moments, shall we? God's Spirit is moving amongst us and He is speaking to us from His Word and He wants to give us more of His peace, more of His great shalom. So let's, in the silence and in His presence, just for a moment, continue responding and receiving. Responding to what He's doing. Receiving to what He wants to give us. Lord, we thank you that even though the storms of life do come, even though they are necessary for the child of God to deepen our faith in you, we rejoice in the knowledge that you are with us through every storm of life. Please help us to trust you more. Help us to trust you for our salvation and our deliverance. Help us to be aware of your presence and your power, to trust in your plans, your purpose, and your love to know that you give us the victory over the storms of life and will carry us safely to that other shore. And Jesus, trusting in you as our Savior and Lord, help us to be able to say in the midst of the storms, because you are with us, it is well, it is well with my soul. For we pray these things to the glory of God the Father, in the power of the Spirit, and in the beautiful name of our crucified, risen, ascended, reigning, and returning Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.